just want to take a minute uh, to introduce uh, the man who we bring in the word this morning uh, to our body. Uh, for many of you over the last few months, you've gotten to know Lance and Sarah Keeling and Joshua and Caleb, and uh, they've been a tremendous blessing uh, to us, and I'm thankful that you've been a blessing to them as well. I've heard Lance and Sarah share that often. Um, Lance and Sarah have been in Tiapisca, Mexico for the last few years, uh, serving in an orphanage and in their home uh, serving orphans. And uh, God crossed their path with ours, and uh, over some time we've just uh, really um, seen the need for a church to be planted there. That's on Lance's heart. Um, God's been taking the last few months to equip uh, this body and Lance and Sarah uh, in that work, and uh, it's really been a privilege to be a part of that, and I know you uh, share my sentiment in that. Uh, so Lance is going to come and share. Come on up, brother. Um, and they're preparing at the end of the month to head to Tiapisca, so if you haven't gotten to know them, you've got a, you've got a little bit of time left, but uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we're just so amazed how you pour your grace out on your church, on your people. Uh, Father, it's a great privilege to be able to just meet corporately. Uh, Father, when it's blistering hot outside and it's cool in here. Uh, but Father, we can, we can meet, we can hear your word. Uh, Father, you reveal things to us about you. And Father, this morning I just pray, I pray for your wisdom, the wisdom of your spirit. And Father, as we hear your truth and you reveal these things, Father, uh, we have the wisdom and the faith to put those things at work in our lives. Uh, Father, I'm thankful for your faithful servant, Lance, his time spent in the Word, preparing this week. Uh, Father, I pray that you be with him as he delivers that Word. Father, may your truth and gospel be known today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. My good Randy. <laughs> well, um, I was asked several months ago to bring a word, so uh, this is the culmination of it, right? <laughs> um, uh, as uh, Steve has said, we've been here for five months, and um, uh, by the time we're done, it'll be about five and a half months, almost six months that we'll have been here. And I just want to uh, say that it's a privilege, a blessing. An honor to be standing on this side of the pulpit. Usually I sit right down there with the little boys and my wife. But I, it's a blessing to be sitting here, or standing here today, uh, bringing a message to this people, this body, because you've just uh, loved on us so much. You have just, uh, you've started well, you're, you're, you're doing well, and no doubt that you will end well. I mean, that's hard to do for five months, but I mean, you've, you've just uh, poured out blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon us. And, I mean, that started with the, 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 uh, the van we're driving around, the rent house that we have stocked with food when we got here, a freezer full of food. You put a freezer in the, in the, in the garage. And um, uh, I better back this up. And, um, I mean, I haven't even had to mow my yard in the 110-degree heat. I mean, I could go on and on and on. But just know, if you haven't gotten the emails or, or you haven't, if I hadn't said personally to you, we thank you uh, for your love. That's just the picture of the beauty of the bride in action. And... Um, and we just thank you very much. I'm excited today because um, uh, 
it's been three year, over three years since I've been able to preach in my native tongue, in, in English. And so, <laughs> it's a good day today. And um, uh, I just pray that the Lord blesses our time. Um, today, we're going to consider uh, the man of unshakable happiness. That's the title of today's sermon, the man of unshakable happiness. Uh, we can find a description of this man, and our text this morning is from Psalm chapter 1. The book of Psalms, right in the middle of, uh, of your Bible. If, you're, if you don't have a Bible or if you're using one of the, uh, uh, the uh, Bibles in the uh, pew in front of you there, um, it's on page 448. 448, the book of Psalms, right in the middle. If you're at Job, go forward. If you're at uh, Proverbs, go backwards. Uh, while we're turning here, I just want to say just a couple of words about this psalm is that it's filled with great blessing, this psalm is. It's filled with grave warnings. Uh, this psalm extends grand promises to the righteous and yet sobering promises to the wicked. This psalm is loaded with contrast and yet it brings this unmis- uh, unmistakable, this, um, this easy to understand message. I mean, we'll find it. It's unmistakable when we read, when we, as we pass through this psalm. And it commands the worship of a holy God. And it gives us the results when one chooses not to obey this command and when one chooses to obey this command. So if we're all there, we're going to read this psalm. Uh, I'm reading from the um, English Standard Version here. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I know that Steve prayed. I just want to pray as well. <laughs> Lord, just, we want to pause just for a moment. Lord, we need you this morning. I need you this morning. The hearers, the listeners, The people gathered in this room need you this morning. And we just pray that you would send your spirit upon us in power, in great measure, that you would um, speak to us, open our minds, open our hearts to receive the word today. Lord, help me to enjoy uh, presenting this word, sharing this word, just as the listeners, the hearers enjoy hearing the word. Come to us, Lord. There are people here with so many needs, 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 but meet these needs, Lord, because we have a, um, because we encounter you this morning. Meet the needs we have by helping us to encounter you today, a risen Lord today. Lord, be with us now. Send your spirit and grant us great blessing today, this moment, this this very moment, Lord, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So, what's the plan for the morning? Well, I'm going to lay just a little bit of groundwork, a little bit of foundation, uh, specifically by looking at who this blessed man is that uh, Psalm chapter 1 talks about. Blessed is the man. Um, Then, I'm going to expose this passage expositorily by just um, an expository manner by going verse by verse through these six verses. And then, um, at the end, I'm going to give a plea 
I'm going to plead with you. I'm going to uh, give an invitation, if you will, to become this man of unshakable happiness that we're going to look at this morning. So we're going to start in verse 1 just to get a little bit of foundation. Um, The first few words of this opening chapter of the book of Psalms. I mean, this psalm has 150 chapters in it, and it starts with just a few words that are just such a great blessing. Blessed or blessed is the man, however you want to say that. Um, this, uh, this is, it starts out with like this, this benediction of sorts. And I just want to look at what, what, just do a little bit of word study on this, uh, this first few words. I mean, we find so much comfort and uh, joy and happiness in the book of Psalms and strength for the day. And this sets the tone right here, these first few words that we read. Blessed is the man. This, the word for man here is singular. And it's just a representative example of a godly person. So if you're here today walking with Christ, if you're here today as a believer, then this person says talking, this, this, this means blessed man, blessed woman, blessed child. So this is talking to you this morning, if, uh, if you're found in Christ this morning. Um, the word um, blessed, it simply means happy. That's what the Hebrew word, that's the, that's the original language, happy. And so I'm going to be using that word a lot happy this morning. This is our happy person we're going to be talking about. Now, it's also an exclamation, exclamation. So, it's how happy. I mean, the NASB, say, it starts, it, it has, it, it, in the, in the NASB, NASB translation, it says how blessed. So, it gets, gets to the point even a little more. So, it's how happy. It's this exclamation, this uh, interjection, but not quite done because it's also plural. The word blessed here is plural. So, it actually means how abundantly happy overflowing is this man that walks with the Lord that we're going to find out that walks in this way. He's abundantly happy. I mean, to me, that just, that just draws me in. I mean, that just sucks me right in like it's some kind of whirlpool. I, I find myself saying, I want to be that blessed man. Uh, tell me more about this blessed man because that's who I want to be. That is who I want to be. I mean, I would think that everybody in, in the right mind in this room would, would want to be uh, that happy man, that man that we're going to expose, that, that man we're going to look at today. So, um, with happiness on the mind, um, Blaise Pascal, many, many, many years ago, wrote this. He wrote, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views, with this desire to be happy. This will ne- they will never take the least step but to this object of being happy. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. I mean, you're miserable. You don't know what to do. You want to be happier than you are, so, so um, you hang yourself. You, you, you commit suicide, right? I mean, that's the, that's the idea here that Pascal, Pascal is uh, presenting. And obviously, he's speaking from the, the worldly point, the worldly man's point of view with this uh, pursuit of happiness, with, with this striving for happiness. Because the worldly man, his ultimate goal is happiness. There's nothing greater. That is his goal. I want to be happy, so what do I need to do? I want to be happy, so what, how, what are the steps? What's, what path do I take to be happy to achieve this goal? But that's not the case with the godly man. That's not the case with this happy man that we're talking about today, that we're looking at today. Um, one of the catechism questions asks, what is the chief end of man? And we know the answer to that. The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. It hits on this theme of being happy, being happy in Jesus, being happy in the Lord, by enjoying him forever. And if we believe that the catechism is leading us in the right direction, if we believe that the catechism is, um, 
is right when it answers that question, that um, our chief end is to glorify God by enjoying him forever, um, then we need to be reminded that in order to fulfill the instruction of this catechism, we must seek and find, we must seek to find, and the Lord will help us find, (laughs) this happiness in God, this joy in Christ in order to fully glorify God. So we maximize our glory of God, our glory that we give to God, as we maximize our joy, our happiness in God. Understand what I'm saying? I hope I'll use Jonathan Edwards and John Piper for two minutes, three minutes. Um, I'll lean on them for just a moment. Because uh, Edwards, Jonathan Edwards, he states that God is glorified in two ways in us, in, in man. He's glorified in two ways. And that's appearing to us in our mind, in the intellect as we read the word, in our, uh, in, in our mind and our intellect, right? Um, but also by um, communicating himself to our hearts, to our emotions. And Edwards went on to say that um, God is glorified not only by being seen, when we see, when we read, when we understand, and God exp- shows us this word, he opens our eyes and we see that, but then when we uh, uh, enjoy this glory that we find out, that we find in the scriptures. So, um, uh, God is more glorified in a man. So, pa- Edward says that God is more glorified in a man that not only just sees man, woman, or child, that not just sees by the intellect, but enjoys with the emotions, enjoys with the heart. And so, Piper, he took that, um, and he said that this is what I, he formed his own um, um, theme or, I don't know, he developed this thought that he, that, he, that he continues to pound away at through his ministry, through his preaching. And that is, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in me, or uh, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. So, again, we maximize glory given to God when we maximize our enjoyment, our joy, our happiness in God. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not strange when we find out that, that um, the Scriptures are filled, filled with, with commands to taste and see that the Lord is good. Delight yourself in the Lord. Enjoy Him forever, right? Uh, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. I mean, just over and over and over, we just, we're just bombarded with these commands to enjoy me, take me and savor me, Right? And that's because when we, when we do that with our intellect and our hearts, we're maximizing the glory given to God. So that's what we've, we've learned about our abundantly blessed man this morning. And um, as he delights and seeks for and enjoys Christ, um, he's going to maximize that worship uh, given to God or worship in God. And so that's what we should, be, I start, should be our desire this morning. And that's the desire of this, um, this abundantly blessed man. Okay, I have my notes here. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I said, slow down, slow down, because, because uh, I keep getting told that, talk, told that by many people. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's there. I wrote it like uh, two minutes ago because Ben texted me this morning. And he says, slow down. I mean, he, I guess he knows me from five months. He says, slow down. He says, enjoy, what did he say? Enjoy preaching the word just as you want the, the, the people to enjoy the preached word. Something like that. I, I don't remember, but... So, okay, I'm going to do that. I mean, I just feel like that's, I'm going to appear, I'm going to just rush, but I know I'm not. I mean, it's only the sixth time I've, I've, preached in, I've preached in 10 years, sixth time ever. So, I mean, uh, a lot more than that in Spanish, but it's still foreign to me. Ben sits up on this thing here. I don't even see how he stands, sits right there. Okay. Um, 
I mean, it's not like Ben to get, send you a text 10 minutes before you, you uh, no, that's good though. We've been in contact. So, uh, okay, verse two, we're going to look, um, I mean, verse one. So that was the groundwork, the foundation. So now we're going to expose these six, six verses, right? Um, so verse one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Immediately, we are introduced here in this first verse uh, to what this happy man, the things this happy man does not do. But I want to ask it like this. What is it that this man does, this ungodly man, this man that is not ultimately going to be happy, not going to be blessed, what is it that begins to lead him down a path where there is no happiness or joy or blessing? Um, We're going to find in this first verse here two progressions, two progressions of settling into sin. It's this path that he begins down until he finds himself of no return. Except for the grace and mercy of God, he finds himself at at, at the end, right? So what does this path look like here? Well, he hears the counsel, walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Or or we're going to say that he walks in the counsel of the wicked, this this picture of this ungodly man. This man is not walking with God. Um, He hears this counsel, this advice, and then goes off and walks in it. So not only you hear it and you have a choice, you walk in it or not, but now he goes and walks in it. So there's a progression there. And then he decides to stand in the way of sinners. That's this picture of gathering more information. Okay, I like, I heard, I heard that. I went off and did that. I like it. Can you give me some more of this? It's that not being satisfied with that first little bit of sin, that dabbling in sin. It's not being satisfied so you come back for more. Until eventually this man becomes so wrapped up and so immersed in sin that he just sits down in it. He just sits down in it. He sits in the seat of the scoffers. Now, this word sit means to dwell, tarry, continue, abide. I mean, these are words we use when we're describing what we should be doing in the things of Christ, right? Tearing and abiding and continuing, continuing. We had a message on that a few months or weeks ago. Continuing in the things of Christ. But not so this man. This man wants to continue and he wants to um, uh, abide with, with these scoffers and these mockers, these ones that uh, mock God. Now, the second progression gives us some insight into the circle of his influence. His friends, maybe, his acquaintances, what he hears from the world, what's, his, what's influencing him. And this says that um, um, the counsel of the wicked again, this word wicked, this word wicked right here, it, it literally means morally wrong or an actively bad person. So he hears this counsel that he walks in. It's, it's from a morally, actively bad person, okay? But it, there's a progression here. This word for sinner this word for sinner, where it says he stands in the way of sinners, this word means a criminal, an offender. It means that accounted guilty. So this person has already gone and walked in the way of sinners. He's heard that, uh, heard that advice and already walked in it, and now he can give some more advice on his own. So now, he's, now, you're, now, you're, now you're gathering more information from a criminal, from a, a convicted one, right? But not, that's not finished because the progression leads us to the seat of the scoffers. The word scoffer here literally means to make mouths at. It's to... Whatever. I mean, you know, you, you know, whatever. We hear all the time, right? Whatever <laughs> is whatever, right? I'm not saying that you're this person. Okay. It means to scorn. It means to mock, mock the things of God, right? But more importantly, or maybe not more importantly, but also it means one that teaches evil. This word scoffer. Make my mouths that it's one that teaches evil. So you can see the progression. Got some advice from just, I don't know, somebody, bad, actively immoral person, but uh, you liked it, you came back, you got some, okay, now you're getting information from a, 
a convicted felon. And then that's not good enough. Now you, want, you, you elevate the bar. You want information. Okay, give me the best you got. I want to be taught this evil so I can go back and do the same, right? And then you start the process by being the one that people come to. I mean, it's this progression of the settling into sin that just leads you to know where you want to be. And so what I just want you to understand from this, this one verse, to sum up this one verse, is that it's that picture of dabbling in sin. I mean, it's that picture of starting down a path of sin that you don't think will lead you somewhere, but we all know, I'm pretty sure, in our own experiences, that that will be somewhere we don't want to be. That's the picture. That's what we must take away. That's not our blessed man. That's not our happy man. That's not his path. That is the path of this ungodly man, this man that does not walk in the ways of God. And so it's just this settledness, just this settledness until sin becomes a part of you. But I don't want you to think that... that um, I've been getting all these, these rules about lighting and stuff. <laughs> I am new, you know. Um, I've got to make sure. Um, um, take this. You, get, you, go to the, you go to your computer, and you're, you're just going to your internet, I mean, the hotmail, your, your, your email. I mean, you're not going on there to surf and do all these things, and an advertisement pops up. I mean, I we're not talking about murderers and just these downright out adulterers or bank robbers, you know? I mean, that's not who we're talking about. You click on that little thing, and where does it lead you? It, it wasn't, you, you probably knew it wasn't somewhere you needed to be, but it wasn't downright bad, but 10 minutes later, where are you at, right? Or chat rooms. You didn't go to the intent of doing something wrong, but where does it lead you? Okay, Facebooking a friend in high school. You didn't go with the purpose you didn't think you were dabbling in sin, right? I mean, just on and on and on. I could stand here and give you all kinds of examples. That's what we're talking about this morning. So um, let's look at our happy man that is not in this way. This is not what he does. Instead of delighting in the things of the world, our happy man, our blessed man, our abundantly happy man, he delights in the things of God. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of no, yeah, I love, excuse me, to start over again. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This word, um, this word, um, um, where are we at? <laughs> oh, okay. This word delight here, it means to take pleasure in. It means to desire valuable things. That's what the word means. To, to desire valuable things or to take pleasure in. So what is it that he takes pleasure in? What is this valuable thing that he's found? Well, it's the law of the Lord. Now, the law of the Lord means like a precept, like, um, um, like uh, Pentateuch or Decalogue. I mean, we have to remember that, that probably at this time when the psalmist wrote this psalm, there might have only been the first five books of the Bible, right? The Pentateuch. I mean, we don't know exactly, but so that's what it means. But it can also mean instruction, instruction. And that's the way I believe it's used here is he delights himself on the instruction of God, namely his word, right? But the word became flesh and dwelt among us, so namely Christ, right? I mean, he is meditating. I mean, he is, well, he is meditating, but he's delighting in the things of Christ and the things of God on the heavenly things, right? Um, this word meditate, and on his law he meditates day and night, uh, means to murmur or speak or mutter, Means to like talk to yourself. It means to ponder by implication. It means to ponder. I mean, that's what we think about when we, when we say ponder. It means to weigh in the mind, reflect on. It means to consider soberly and deeply, quietly even, to yourself. It's this, it's this uh, thought that we get from Scott a few weeks ago that says, that when he said, if it's worth hearing, then it's worth thinking about. 
If it's worth hearing, then it's worth thinking about. And that's what this man is doing. That's what our happy man is doing. He is thinking. He is, he is walking in what he's heard, what he's read, what he's uh, uh, listened to when it's, when, as, as it pertains to the, uh, the Word of God. Now, this word, uh, now this meditating on, on God's law is that picture of what uh, Ben talks about. I mean, what all the elders talk about, but what Ben hits on all the time. And that is walking in the preached Word from Sunday to Sunday. From day to day, you hear the word, you take it with you, and you walk in it, and you mutter to yourself, what did that mean? What is this? What is he saying? What, what, what does God say about that other places, you know? It's that three-mile-per-hour walk that we talk about. I mean, this is the picture right here. He's delighting. He's meditating. It's the three-mile-per-hour walk that we talk about here at Crosspoint. See, this man is not the consumer, right? We talk about the consumer and the worshiper. He's not the consumer. He doesn't come and sit for a couple of hours and then deposit that word that he heard right there at the front door as he leaves, or as he walks into to work on Tuesday, at, and he knows the stressful situation's coming up, and then deposit at the door and just act however he wants. Or on Thursday, when it's been a long day, and I mean, it's been a long day and a long week, and he's not sure what to do, and you know, things are rough at home and, and, and at the job, and he just says, forget the word, I'm just going to do what I want to do. That's not this man. That's not the picture of the man that we have here. I mean, the preacher spends, the man bringing the message spends 10, 20, 30, 40 hours a week preparing for a sermon, and we can't walk. We can't walk. It's like I need to flip it around here because I usually sit there. But we can't ponder this, walk in this word that we hear, that, that changes our lives, that makes us this unshakable, happy man that we're going to find out about. So um, this man wants to know what God's personally saying to him. I mean, and he's going to ponder as long as it takes and walk as long as it takes in this word until God changes him, until God gives him this understanding, until God gives him this new spiritual growth in his life. I mean, as we heard last week, um, um, meditation on the things of God brings life and peace. That's what um, Scott was talking about. Uh, it brings life and peace. It's, it's that Romans uh, chapter 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, it's perishing, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I mean, that's what we're talking about, being spiritually minded. That is the picture here. It's that meditating on these things, whatever is just, noble, pure, right, of good report, meditate on these things from, uh, Colossians, uh, uh, from Philippians 4 and the Colossians 3 of setting your mind on things above, not on the things of the world. I mean, and I could go on and on again, right? Um, no doubt if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard all these, all these verses, and, and uh, um, it's a good thing to be here and to hear the Word of God here. So this man, we're going to wrap up uh, this, this first uh, two verses, but this man knows that life is a battle for joy. I have that written in my notes, in my Bible. I'm not sure that, and this is not original. I, probably Piper. <laughs> probably, it sounds like Piper that would say something like, Life is a battle for joy, so I'm going to steal that from somebody. I don't know who. When I opened the book of Psalms, that note was already in there. So, but life is a battle for joy. I mean, that's what we're talking about. You're going to find your happiness, you're going to find your joy in something, whether that's the fleeting, passing pleasures of this world, the temporary things you're going to find your pleasure in, or those um, things that um, are uh, present and eternal joys, eternal happiness that Christ brings uh, by walking day to day with the Lord. And so that's what our happy man finds himself doing. So we're, we're looking at verse 3 here. Um, I, want our attention, I want to turn our attention now to this, um, 
to, to, to why our man is happy. Or better, we could better say it, what is the result when this man does walk in the preached word from Monday to, or week to week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, what is the result? I mean, what is the result of when one does ponder and think about and consider deeply and mutter, talk to yourself? What is the result of that? Well, that is in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that the psalmist here had a cedar of Lebanon in mind. I mean, there's, there's uh, dozens and dozens and dozens, like 65 or something, 70 um, uh, references to the cedar of Lebanon, and many in the Psalms and in the Old Testament. <clears throat> but when I was, as I was looking through these, um, these uh, passages, Ezekiel 31, you can write this down. We're not going to turn. We're not going to turn to very many, even though we have scriptures in here. We're not going to turn to very many. Um, Ezekiel 31, verse 3 through 7. It's describing Assyria, okay? So we're not talking about the godliness of Assyria. We're just talking about Assyria is, is given the example of being like this great cedar of Lebanon, okay? Powerful, uh, magnificent in its grandeur. It talks about uh, its roots. The cedar tree has its roots just down and out, just drinking in this life from the streams below until its branches and its, and its leaves just reach up to the clouds themselves. The birds come, and they nest in the bird. And then the, and then the, uh, the, um, uh, the animals below have these, uh, gives life to these babies. They, they birth these, these little creatures. So it's this life-giving shade, this beautiful tree. Do y'all all have that picture? You got that cedar tree? Think of it this way. It said that um, 63 feet, I think, is one of the newest ones they found. That 63 feet in circumference. But the thing about these cedars is that they cluster like Three, four, five, six. They found they found seven cedar trees, cedar trees of Lebanon, clustered together. Okay, sixty feet times seven, something like that. Okay, as big as this room, this trunk. <laughs> okay, we got this tree in our mind. Not not all of them are that big. Some are just one. Some are smaller. But the point is, is they are cedar tree, right? Or there's this tree, this tree at least. Um, so let's. So what I want to do is think about with that picture in mind. Is what is this man, our happy man? What is this blessed man? How does he look like? Spiritually, how is he this tree? Spiritually, how is he this tree? Well, he is like a planted tree. Tree. Um, he's a tree that's planted. He is a chosen tree that is planted by the creator himself. He is a chosen vessel, if you, could, if you will, using other language. But he's a chosen, planted, watered, given life, and matured for use in God's service. That's who this man is. He's rooted and grounded in the word of God. It says that he's planted by streams of water. He's firmly planted. This streams of water, um, no doubt, at least in my mind, I think of Christ. He's the streams of living water. He's the fountain of living water. He's the fountainhead. The fountain of living water is Christ. So this man is grounded firmly in the word of God, in Christ himself. He will be fruitful, the scripture says. Um, that yields its fruit in its season, right? But not only will he be fruitful, he, he, not only is he nourished, he nourishes as well. He gives nourishment. I mean, it's that picture of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where it says that in our troubles, 
Um, the, or in, when others have trouble, we can comfort others in the same manner that God has comforted us with His comfort. It's that picture of receiving and giving, receiving and giving, receiving and giving. It's Matthew 13. When good soil or good seed hits good soil, what's the result? Outward worship. Outward worship. Some 30, some 60, some 100. But it's, it's outward. It's in action. It's in action, this, this, this blessed man here, this happy man. Um, also, it says that this man has a leaf, or its leaf does not wither. Now, listen, our man here, our woman, our child here is durable. He's durable in, in, in all seasons, in times of trial and difficulty and trouble and hardship. He is what we focus on. He is the one that preserves us, right? We persevere because he preserves us. And we can be durable. This man is durable. He doesn't wither. When the, when the drought of life comes, and we all know those walking through the valley of the shadow of death, what? Where's, where's our focus then? I mean, are we really going to put our focus on the things of the world? What's that going to do for us? This man focuses on the things of God, and he remains durable. He remains steadfast and unmovable. Now, also, in all that he does, he prospers. I mean, that's a pretty bold statement, and all that he does, he prospers, right? I mean, what does that really mean? What does that really look like to say that he prospers? What does it mean to prosper in God's economy? Because, again, we're talking about things of God spiritually uh, to the soul. We're not talking about the world. So, we know today what prosperity looks like to the world. And sadly, we know in many circles in church what that would look like and what that would be preached, what the preached word would be for prosperity. <laughs> uh, it's hard to tell the difference between many, much of the prosperous message you hear from, uh, from inside the church and distinguish that from outside the church. I mean, we, we, just, we just say, okay, I got everything they have, but we'll just say we got it through Jesus or something like that. I mean, it's not a, it's not, it's, it doesn't make sense to me. But we know that, it's, that the world says prosperity is money, right, and health. And uh, having, having um, big cars, big houses, having uh, good kids, um, you name it. I mean, I'll just think about it. And that's probably how the, word, how the world looks at prosperity. Now, I'm not saying that any of those things are sinful and any of those things are evil. So if you got three cars and you live in a big house, that's fine. Praise God. I'm saying that in God's economy, those things are not referred to as prosperous in the sense of the word that we're looking at right here. Okay, you understand me? Not bad to have a lot of money or a lot of goats or sheep or camels or all those things that Job had. I mean, God doubled those things at the end. I mean, it's not sinful to have those, right? It's what we delight in. It's what we take our pleasure in. That's what we're talking about, okay? So, prosperous. I do want to use one satellite. This will help me just slow down a little bit and go to 3 John verse 2. I want you to see it. 3 John, verse 2. It's on page 1026 in the ESV, and especially the, the, the Bible in the back, in, in the pew there. Um, page 1026. 1026. 3 John, verse 2. And I just shut the Bible. 3 John, verse 2. Here are lots of papers turning. That's good. 
3 John, verse 2, 1,026. In the ESV, it says, Beloved, John's praying, or John's John's writing, and he says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Okay? The NASB says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. There are three distinct things there. Physical prosperity, physical health, and soul prosperity. That's the spiritual prosperity we're talking about today. But the world and many Christian circles get that confused and just lump them all together. But that's not the case. Um, They're very different. We have to see that this prosperity in verse 3 of Psalm chapter 1 means something different. It means something more, something something greater um, than money, goods, health, wealth, all these things, right? Thriving business. It just means something more than that. Um, so if it's not this physical uh, prosperity, and it's not this physical health we're talking, then, then what is it, right? I mean, then what, what is our happy man's prosperity in? What is our prosperity in, right? And I say, and I believe Scripture um, confirms this, is that our prosperity comes in and by and through the things um, uh, through the things that His Holy Spirit, which He's given to us, uh, that we walk in the fruits of the Spirit is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the things that the, the, that the Spirit has given, given us, that's our prosperity. That love, walking in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, do you hear these things? That's our prosperity. I mean, you can have all the money in the world and you might not have any of those things. But the, our godly man's prosperity comes in the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ that Philippians talks about. The fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. This Jesus Christ whom we delight in, right? So our prosperity is different than the world. Our happy man's prosperity is different than the world. So, you know, I just... Uh, I've just throwing things around in the mess, not throwing, but just move things around in the message and didn't know where to put this or this or took, I've taken out, I mean, I've, I literally took out about an hour of sermon, just, just so you know. I mean, I really, really did. Um, but I just want to say, and I've debated about whether it's talking about this, but as, as, the, as the week unfolded, I just kept thinking about this. It just kept hammering me and hammering me. And that is the events of what happened this week. I mean, our happy man is not wrapped up Hear me. He's not wrapped up, fretting, wringing his hands, about to just uh, fall apart because of the debt ceiling crisis, right? He's not at the end of the week going to go, oh my gosh, and just throw his hands up in the air and just be undone because the stock market loses 8 or 10%. He's just not going to do that. When our credit rating gets downgraded, he's not going to lose it. Now, this man is in the world, or yeah, he's in the world, not of the world. So he's in the world. He knows he knows these things are happening. He's not an idiot, okay? He's not in his own little bubble, this own little godly bubble, spiritual bubble thing. No, no. He's in, the, he's, in, he's, uh, he's in the world. He knows these things are going on. But his head is not in the sand, but his happiness, his joy, the things he delights in, the things he receives um, delight in are not wrapped up in these things of the world. I'm not saying that, I mean, the richest man in the world lost eight, uh, $8 billion this week. I mean, he lost $8 billion. <laughs> so I don't know what he was doing, 
But, I mean, obviously he has a lot of money, but I'm sure he was not acting like our happy man. Actually, he, he's, he's in Mexico. We, we know all about him because he's the richest man in the world lives in Mexico. <laughs> I give him a lot of money a month. But, um, so, um, but so, so I mentioned financial just, just here, but it can be whatever trial you're walking through, whatever trial or, or hardship or difficulty that you're in. Um, you don't need to be caught up in the fret. Don't fret. It only causes harm, the Scripture says. Don't worry about tomorrow, right? We have enough trouble today. So, I mean, it's just this ongoing thought of today. In the moment, think about the Word of God, right? I kept singing and singing and singing this as, as I was studying throughout the weeks. Uh, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale. My anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. I mean, that's, that's our man this morning, right? He's happy today because he's walking in the fruits of the Spirit. He's walking in the Spirit, which brings him life and peace. That's our happy man. So I just want to take that now and just, um, just um, let, let you guys step into our world for a second. Out of America, into Mexico, just for a second, just for a second. I mean, this... This message is not geographical specific. Okay, you do understand that, right? I'm going to take us to Mexico, but it doesn't matter where you live. Okay, it's the same. The same path, the same way is the, is the same for our happy man here. But, but we don't take this shallow, hollow message of try a little Jesus and it will make you happy. And, and uh, it will make you, uh, what, is it, what does it say? Healthy, wealthy, and healthy, wealthy, and prosperity. That's what. It will make you healthy, wealthy, and, and be prosperous. We don't take that message to a people that are literally, many of them, wondering what they're going to have to eat tomorrow. I mean, can you imagine me getting up there and preaching that message? And they're like, okay, I've been hearing that for a month, and nothing's changed. I'm still looking for what I'm going to eat today. I mean, that's just a hollow message. Whether you're in Mexico or here, it's just, it doesn't ring true. I mean, the message that we take is this, is this uh, message of hope, this message of re- reconciliation, this message of forgiveness, this message of, um, of, of, of um, filled with the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, we, we, say, we, we bring that message that says that you can be re- reconciled. No matter the sin you're in, you can be reconciled to a holy God, this holy God that is, that is bearing down on you in white-hot wrath, yet... You can be reconciled to him. He, you can find forgiveness in him. You can have, you can walk in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, that's something you can walk in. You're not going to be a millionaire tomorrow just because I bring the gospel message to you. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Yet it's repeatedly over and over and over again. So that's the message in Mexico or today here in this in this room right here, in this, in this church building right here, that's the message that's going to maximize the glory given to God because that's going to maximize our joy in Him, our enjoyment of Him, right? That's, that, that's, that's what we're talking about today. We're going to maximize the glory that we bring to God. Now, we can find the contrast. It'll go a little quicker now. If you're looking at your watch, it'll go a little quicker. But um, verse 4, we can find the contrast to this prosperous man. Verse 4. In contrast to this, it says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. I mean, it's this, um, this, uh, this chaff that we're, we're talking about here is that worthless, valueless husk of, of wheat. Or in our case, in Mexico, wheat, corn, mainly corn and beans. We're going to say, I'm going to use that. Because what we do in Mexico is we... we 
I mean, I go help. I don't have any of this, but I go help the guys. And we, we go and we grab the beans. The beans uh, wrap themselves around the corn. That's how they do it. And then, and, then, um, and then you take the beans off. You take the corn with you. You um, take all the kernels and you spread out a blanket. And you take all the kernels off. And then you take all the beans off. And you, and you, and you close the thing and you, and you rub it like this. You don't crush it, but you just rub it and get it all worked up. And then you open the, you open the blanket and then you turn the fan on. All, these, all the farmers got fans. Turn the fan on and whoosh, there goes the husk. There goes the chaff right out there. I mean, the poorest, some of the poorest people in the world, they could care less about the chaff. I mean, they save everything. I mean, there's nothing that's not saved and reused in Mexico, but guess what? They don't care about this chaff. I mean, that's the picture we have here of the man that is not walking with Christ. I mean, this is, this is uh, of no value here. There's no value here. Um, it's just that, that uh, that's a pretty unmistakable picture, don't you think, that you have this tree with this trunk, with these branches, there's life-giving, just drinking up all this nourishment, or you're this chaff that's just blown away. It has no use for nothing, for, for anything. And that is the picture that we have here. That's unmistakable. That's why I was talking about that contrast, yet an unmistakable uh, presentation of what the godly man is compared to the ungodly man. So um, now let's look at verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6. Uh, this third and final contrast that we have in verse that we have in this first chapter. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. These two verses remind us of the fact, as Scott mentioned a few weeks ago, that there are only two classes of people in the world. Scott was talking about the, um, I think that was, yeah, that was in his evangelism and the sovereignty of God, evangelism and election. He had three sermons on that. And the, he kept saying there's two classes of people in this world. And we talked about the believer, the man that doesn't believe, the, the saved and not saved, the Christian and the non-Christian. This is just the two classes of people. And these two verses show us that. I mean, there are going to be those that stand in the final judgment of God and those that do not stand in the final judgment of God. There are going to be those that are standing, found standing in the congregation of the righteous in the presence of a holy God for eternity. And then there are going to be those that are not found in that congregation of the righteous in the presence of a holy God. And also, verse 6 talks about the way of the righteous and the way that perishes. Um, this is your two classes of people. Uh, Matthew 7 talks about that, right? The broad way that leads to destruction, right? And the narrow way that leads to life. That's the two classes. We're talking about this blessed, happy man that is walking along this path, that is walking in this class of people, with this class. As the people move, we're walking together in this way. We are of the same class. But the way of the ungodly, it perishes. I mean, that's the last, that's the last word. But the way of the wicked will perish. I just want to talk about this way. I want to do a little word study on this way. Way literally means a well-trodden path, okay? A, uh, a, a path well-traveled, okay? Figuratively, that's literally what it means. Figuratively, it means a course of life or mode of operation, mode of action, course of life. I like course of life. That really hits, hits home to me. It's like, I thought of this word picture, that it's like this dog that runs in the grass. It could be plush, but it runs in this grass repeatedly over and over and over and over. It's just what he does every day, all day long, along the fence, to his water bowl, to the back porch, and you have this little path. At least the dogs I've had done, have, have done that. And, I mean, 
It doesn't matter where they're at. They're going to run to that path, and then they're going to run home. They don't take the shortest route. At least my dogs haven't. I mean, is everybody, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Got, got at least one, some raised hands. Okay. So think about that course of life. It's daily. It's repeatedly. It's over again, over again, over again. It's this way of life. So spiritually, what would that mean? I mean, what does that way look like for our spiritual man, for us that walk in the way? It's routinely dividing in the things of God, right? In God himself, in Christ himself. It's meditating. I'm just kind of encapsulating this. It's meditating on the things of God. It's this daily three-mile-per-hour walk in his instruction and in his uh, person himself. It's this journey that we're on. It's seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first. First. It's like what Scott talked about um, last Sunday when he brought the message from um, Romans 12 about offering our bodies a living sacrifice And he said, so we don't just go to work, a brand new job, or go to first day of school and find out if it's safe or not, and then bring Jesus along with us two or three weeks later. After we find out the climate and all these things, we live Christ out loud. We we walk in this way no matter our circumstances and no matter where we're at. It's relying on clinging to, trusting in Christ no matter uh, what comes. Um, We, the, the, the godly man, should act and react to the circumstances of life in different ways in the world. You should, you should look, you should say, there's fruit right there. That's what he's doing, and that's what our blessed man is doing. So, um, I'm going to close with this. I mean, we still have seven or eight minutes, something like that, ten minutes, I'm not sure. We're going to close up pretty quick, but um, I'm going to um, <laughs> just... Um, I'm just going to close with this, because if we, left, if we left it here, if we left this message here and we walked away today, you would have only gotten, received three, three quarters of the truth of the word. You would have only received three quarters in the way I've ex- exposed it. Nothing wrong with the word. You would only receive three quarters of the gospel message, because you could have heard this, this message down in Mexico with us. We, we, we sit underneath the shadow, in the shadow of, of the biggest Catholic church in town. That's where we're at. You could have heard this, this message at the, at the um, closest uh, Jewish temple. This, 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 as long as you do good, as long as you walk in this way, as long as you do more uh, good than the evil, as long as you don't associate with these people, not too bad, and do this and do that, and then at the end, you're, you've got the scales, and your, your goodness outweighs the bad things you do, and then God will be pleased with you. I mean, that's the message that if I don't continue, that's, you could, you could hear that today. So we're not going to leave it there. So I asked the question, so what now? I mean, so what, right? That's the question, so what? <laughs> so what? Um, we can know all about the product of the way. Um, we can know the type of person that this way produces. We can know the way that this way produces a, a man of unshakable happiness who delights in the things of God and resists the things of the world. We heard about that. We can know about this way that produces a man of godly character that his nature, what his nature is, that he's firmly planted, he's rooted, he's, he's nourished, he's fruitful, he's durable. You can know those things. Uh, that he's living, that he's living in the fruits of the Spirit. He's walking in the fruits of the Spirit. You can, you can know that today. You can know that um, this way that leads the, the righteous man down a path of life and peace and a way that ushers him into eternal life. I've talked about those things, right? But knowing all about this way 
and what the way produces is not the same as being in the way. It's not the same as being on this path of the blessed man that will stand, that will not perish in the way. I mean, it's just totally different. I mean, you can read this psalm like we just did. You can go home and listen to it online after having left here listening to me preach it in person. Uh, You can say yes, 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 and you can say amen a lot inside, and you can do all these things. But if you're not in the way, then you're not walking in the way of this happy man. You're not walking in the way that leads to eternal life. That you're not walking in such a way that you will stand in the final judgment, right? I mean, you have to be found on this way, in this way is what you have to do. So you might be saying now, okay, what is that way, right? I mean, if you're sitting here today and you know you're not on that way, or maybe there's a question of whether you're on this way or not, and you're, you, might be asking you, you might be asking the same question that was asked 2,000 years ago to Jesus when the multitude heard his word, heard him speak, and they said, how can we know the way? How can we know the way? The multitude cried out. You could be saying, how do I know the way? Great, Lance, but how do I know the way? How can I find this way? And I give you the same answer that Jesus gave in the very next verse. In response to that question, Jesus said, I am the way, the life, the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes into this way. No one is on this way except through me. No one knows the truth except through me. No one has this eternal life except through me. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Jesus had this psalm in mind as he spoke to the multitudes in John 14 about how to enter this way. I mean, you got to imagine his, 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 his audience, these Jews. I mean, they keep hearing about the way and this. You know, Jeremiah talks about uh, searching for the, the old paths and the walk in this way, and the watchmen are there telling his, all the people, walk in this way, walk in this way, walk in this way. I mean, way was just a part of their, their life. And Jesus comes and shakes it all up and says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the, the, uh, the life. And so I extend you to you. This is why I make this plea, right? <laughs> this, this invitation. I mean, Jesus made the same invitation to these people, and he makes it to you today. Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavily laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. Right? I mean, this is what we're talking about. Christ says, come to me, come to me, come to me. So, basically, we're finished with my notes, but I just couldn't um, leave it there. Um, Because... You know, um, I talked to Ben and some others throughout the week, and they just, you know, just kept talking. We just kept talking about, you know, Christ and, and um, uh, you know, that, that on this journey and this pursuit, you know, this pursuit of Christ, you're going you're gonna to see your need of a Savior. You know, you're going to see your, that you don't have the righteousness. You need the righteousness of a, another. And so that's what I just talked about, this righteousness of another that you need, that you need if you're not on this way, okay? But guess what? <laughs> That's called the gospel. I mean, if you just want to, I mean, if you just want to encapsulate with one word, the gospel. But I'm telling you today that those those of you that say today, but Lance, I'm on the way. <laughs> I believe I'm on the way. I mean, I I, I believe that 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 I've that, that the Lord has forgiven me, and that I've in faith have trusted in Christ, and I've believed in Christ, and I'm on this way. I say to you, you need the gospel too. 
I mean, I extend to you the same invitation because if you're sitting here today and you say, Lance, that's all sounding good. I think I'm in the way, but I'm not this unshakable man that you're talking about. I don't find that to be true in my life. I mean, do, do you have a word for me? Or are you just going to leave me there? I don't, I'm not this man. You're saying I should be this man. That's who this man is. He's in this way. He's durable. I'm not durable right now in the trials of life. Uh, what's the word? <laughs> I, I believe, but help my unbelief. I mean, you might be in your, in your, in your, in your seat thinking that today. And, and I extend the same invitation to come to Christ. It's the same invitation. You need the gospel today like you needed it yesterday, like you needed it the day of your salvation or in the journey to salvation. You need the Lord. Come to me. The Lord says, I stand at the door and knock. I mean, I stand in the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, uh, I will come into them and you'll dine with me. I mean, we're about to have that right now. You, you dine with me and, and I'll dine with you. And um, I just didn't leave I don't know, I just, I just, I know a lot of people are hurting, and, um, and uh, I, I, I do it in every sermon, <laughs> six times, not six times, I just, um, I just, I just say that, that um, the, find your delight in the Lord, seek the happiness in the Lord, don't, don't set happiness as your goal, or trying to get out of these trials as your goal, seek the Lord while he may be found, he's, he's, he's available, he's waiting, he's right there. Seek him and take hold of him. And you may, it won't happen overnight. The dog doesn't make the path in one pass, right? I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about this walking with the Lord, this, this, this happiness, this unshakable happiness. The tree doesn't grow in one day. The dog doesn't run one time and he looks behind him and there's this path. It's a course of life. But it can start today. You can come to say, Lord, I, I've... I believe in you. I trust in you. I believe I'm saved, but I, I, I don't, I'm not satisfied. I want to be satisfied in you. And I know people are hurting and going through these trials. And um, that's what you need. That's what you need. Uh, turn your eyes on Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Maximize our glory of God by maximizing our enjoyment of him, right? Let's pray. Lord, we know that you are on your throne, and we know that we are a poor and needy people, and we just want to thank you for the things that you give us. Help us, Lord. <laughs> Help us to seek and find in you. There's nothing greater. We get, we get sidetracked so easily, speaking from personal experience. <laughs> Lord, we know that it's you who works within us, within us both to do and to will, to will and to do for your good pleasure. Work in us, Lord, and cause us to will and want and desire the valuable things that Christ offers. So we love you, Lord, and we just thank you for meeting us here today. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to have the supper in just a minute. I don't know about you, but that was good prep to enjoy the supper. I wanted to read from Ephesians 2. It occurred to me, happy. The happy man remembers, and he's satisfied, and he enjoys what we're about to do. Because he can remember. Listen, in Ephesians 2, it says, And you were dead 
and the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, that path, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. In verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised, up, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise and having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Romans 5 1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, a need for $25,000 to uh, actually complete the drilling of three water wells in Central Asia. Um, and uh, as of today, we've received all of that. That's already in place uh, to finish that work. In fact, they've drilled two of the water wells, and they've, they hit water very quickly. It's good, clean water. Uh, they even have the government come alongside to maybe pipe some of that out. So there's just some neat things going on there. And it's, uh, it's an awesome thing for us to be a part of that. God allows us to be a part of that in our, in our prayer. And our hope is that living water is flowing there soon. And uh, it's a neat, neat opportunity in that village. The other need was uh, for our building we're working on. Uh, we need about 50000 to really finish up some things there and then convert this area here for our kiddos. Uh, that's uh, moving along pretty good. And, you know, a lot of times we put those big needs in front of you, but I want you to know that uh, God's provision in this body has just been tremendous, even in the small things. From week to week, um, you're called on many times uh, with, for time, a meal, 
uh, things in here and there, and uh, God has blessed us. I mean, we're in difficult times, really, uh, in the economy. You hear of those things, but there's, there's no difficulty in the economy of God, as uh, Lance was sharing with us. So it's been really neat to see y'all move in that. I'd like for the deacons, if they would, deacons who are here, if you would stand, a couple of reasons. Um, first, these guys are kind of your, your point men on a lot that goes on in this body. These are the guys that uh, uh, we contact, you contact. Uh, I want you to see them so you recognize who they are. Uh, but also to tell these guys, thanks. Uh, I really appreciate your faithfulness in uh, serving this body. Uh, I've seen you be faithful in a lot of things. There's a lot of things going on that are attached to this building, attached to this body, things coming and going, uh, the ministry of the body. And you guys have been used greatly by God as he's accomplishing that, just in our, our midst here. So, appreciate that. I don't know if y'all stand. Everybody stand, and we'll just uh, have a word of prayer, and you'll be dismissed. Father, so thankful, so thankful for your word, so thankful for Christ and all that we have in him. Father, thank you for opening our eyes to things today. Uh, Father, I pray that we will see uh, those opportunities, uh, Father, just to be happy to be satisfied in Christ, uh, even though our path may be difficult, our circumstances may be hard. Uh, Father, you sustain us, and our joy is in knowing you. Father, we give this day to you. Give the rest of this week to you, Father, till we gather again corporately. Uh, Father, we pray for opportunities to honor and glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.